Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. All right, we're going to wrap up our series tonight on the fruit and the flow. This is part three of a three-part series um, that we've been doing about streams of living water flowing from us. This was a promise that God made for us, that Jesus said, anyone who believes in me, streams of living water will well up inside of him, or rivers of living water will flow from him. And by this, he meant the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised that if we believe in him, he will send the Holy Spirit. And if we receive the Holy Spirit, rivers of living water will flow from us. A river of living water means that I have enough life for me and everybody else that I encounter. I'm amazed at how often we get um, consumed. Somebody had a a phrase they used in our our prayer meeting a minute ago, and it really struck me, and that is, I'm feeling the weight of the world. And they were actually talking about something else, but I felt like the Holy Spirit dropped this in me that, you know, that feeling of feeling the weight of the world, but often I think what inhibits us from really having a stream of living water flowing from us sometimes is that we only feel the weight of our world. And the weight of our world becomes so overwhelming that we don't understand that there's a weight of the world. And what God intends for us to do is not just to live in a way where our world gets better, where we don't just feel the weight of our job and our family and our finances and our health and we get consumed with us. And we, we get on this journey of trying to fix us, trying to get God to fix us, trying to get our blessing, trying to get all these things on us because we're consumed with the weight of our world. But God's not just thinking about our world, He's thinking about the world. So when you have a mentality that I've got to go dig my own well and find my own water and then I've got to protect this well because... If I don't, someone's going to come fill in my well, and I've got only this limited supply of water. We're going to be feeling the weight of our own world, but God's thinking about the world. And when God thinks about the world, I don't know why he does this, but he chooses me, and he chooses you to reach the world. But if we're only feeling the weight of our own, then we'll miss that this river that's flowing is not just flowing in me. It's flowing from me. And if I can just get past me, then I'll see that there's a world that I have water for. And it's an endless supply. And it's the natural state of every believer to have rivers of living water flowing from them. It's the natural intended state for every disciple to have liver, river, livers of living water. That's not it. He doesn't want livers. He wants rivers. It's the natural state. The intended state of God is for every believer, every disciple in Jesus to be filled with the Holy Spirit and overflowing with more than enough life and more than enough power for all those around me. But if I'm only feeling the weight of my world, I'll miss that there is much more available to me than I need for just myself. Does that make sense? And so 
I guess sometimes I'm on this journey to stop just thinking about me. Boy, is it easy to just think about me. But when I think about me, I don't mean how cool am I. When I think about me, I think I really don't have what it takes to do the 10 things that I got to do. I can do three of them really good. I can do three of them okay. I can fake my way through two of them. And one of them, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Anybody else feel like that? But it's still just consumed with me and my world. And I'm thinking about, I'm feeling the weight of my world. And God's going, you're not meant to feel the weight of your world. You're meant to have rivers of living water. And so if that's the state God intends for me, then if I'm not living in that place, and if all I ever feel is the weight of my own world, but yet God's intention for me is different, that means something happened. Something stopped up the river. Something dammed up the river. And I want to help us today learn how to undam the river. Is that a, is that a term? How to undam, how to blow up the dam, how to, how to just blow it up. Not, okay, now's the time to let a little bit of a little trickle out, but to get rid of it so that we can experience the freedom and the flow and the fruit of what God has for us. We're talking about the fruit and the flow because not only does God intend for us to have these rivers of living water flowing from us, He also wants us to bear much fruit. So tonight I'm actually going to talk more about the fruit. That was kind of a recap of the flow part of it. And I said that one of the things that I feel like I'm I know that God is wanting me to measure my own life by something that's on my personal scoreboard and probably something that's on our church scoreboard is what I call flow rate. You know how fast a river is flowing by something called the flow rate. They have a way of measuring that. And the more water that goes through a river, the higher the flow rate is, the faster it moves. The only way to make that river move faster is to put more water in it. And things like the Gauley River up in West Virginia with Class 5 Rapids, y'all. Anybody ever done Class 5 Rapids? You remember when that old commercial, Class 5 Rapids, Class 5, and they're all excited to go and then they show up and saw a class five rapids. They're like, maybe if we did a two and a three, that counts as a five. <laughs> but a class five rapid, what they do is they open up the dam to the golly, and that's what makes the river flow. And I was like, wow, you can control the flow rate of this river. That's pretty cool. And the Holy Spirit goes, you control the flow rate of your own heart. The rivers of living water that come from you, you control the flow rate, but I never built a dam you are meant to flow like that all the time, so we're going to blow up some dams. Does that sound good? I'm going to take you on a dam tour to blow up the dam, and it's going to be the best dam tour you've ever had. I'm going to see how many times I can say that and not get in trouble. All right, but God intends for us to bear fruit, so it's the same thing. So the th- same things that keep these rivers of living water from flowing from us and the same thing are the same things that keep us from bearing fruit in our lives. So I want to talk a little bit about fruit, but then I'm going to help you with probably three of the main factors that I think dam up the river of our lives or keep us from bearing fruit. It's like having an apple tree that you planted and it just is not bearing fruit. Imagine planting an apple tree. Why does somebody plant an apple tree? Because you want apples. No one plants an apple tree because they don't want apples. They want apples. And so if I'm planting it and it's not yielding apples, something's wrong. I'm going to go back to Lowe's, Home Depot, or the garden center and go, hey, you gave me an apple tree that doesn't make 
apples. Something's wrong, right? And you're going to Google it. You're going to look it up somewhere and figure out, how do I get my apple tree to start making apples? Because I planted it with the intention of making apples, and I'm not getting apples. What's wrong? Because an apple tree is supposed to bear apples. So these same things that God intends for us of bearing fruit, it's the same inhibitors that keep us from bearing fruit that also keep the flow from happening in our own hearts. That's the most confusing introduction I could give. So let's go to the Bible and clear it all up. Shall we do that? Galatians chapter 5 in verse 22. Have a look on the screens with me. Galatians chapter 5 in verse 22. But the fruit of the... Say it with me. But the fruit of the... Why don't we all read it together, actually? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Another word for forbearance there is patience. I meant to put patience in there, but I think I put the older version of it, but patience. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I've got two verses on my fridge at home. It's actually one verse, two different versions of it. One is the this is the NIV and the Passion Translation. I love what it actually says about these things. They're on my fridge because that's my scoreboard. Now, I don't, when I say scoreboard, I don't mean, how are you measuring up today in these areas, Clayton? But I want to know, how am I doing in these areas of my life? Because if I am not exhibiting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, if I'm not exhibiting all of those, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. It means something is inhibiting this fruit from coming in my life. But here's an important part. It's the fruit of the... It's not the fruit of the flesh. Do you hear me? It's not how many Bible verses you memorized. It's not how many people you had coffee with and discipled this week. It's not about how many times you prayed or anything like that or how many times you've been to church this month or how much money you gave. Those are fruits of the flesh. These are fruit of the Spirit. So if it's fruit of the Spirit, what's the root of the fruit? The Spirit. If it was the fruit of Clayton, it would look different. But it's a fruit of the Spirit. So the only way that I can bear this kind of fruit is if I am attached to the vine. If I'm attached to, use that example of that apple tree, the only way an apple can form is if it's attached to the apple tree. So the only way I can bear this fruit is if I'm attached to the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So I want to have all of these things operating. The word actually means, uh, in the Greek, originates from. So fruit means it originates from something else. It originates from the vine. The fruit, these fruits are an extension of the vine. So if I'm not bearing this fruit, the problem is not that there's something wrong with my flesh. The problem is that my flesh is determining what's happening in my spirit. But we're meant to be spirit-led, not flesh-led. So the more I am led by the spirit, the more fruit of the spirit I'll be exhibiting in my own life. Does that make sense? Now, how do you know, unless you're like a botanist or a, that's not even the right word, an arborist, how would you know that the tree you're looking at is an apple tree. How would you know? This is not a, tr- it's not a trick question. You see the fruit. Thank you, Professor Montella. 
you know it's an apple tree because it has apples. It's an extension of the tree. So I identify the tree by its fruit. That's what Jesus said. You can identify a tree by its fruit. So how does someone know that I am being spirit-led? Because I prophesy? Does someone know I'm spirit-led because when I lay hands on the sick, they're healed? Does someone know I'm spirit-led because I preach real good? How does someone know that I'm spirit-led? They see the fruit. If you want to know what a spirit-led person looks like, they have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nowhere in this does it refer to any gift of the Spirit. Because God is less concerned about gifts as He is in fruit. It's almost as if, like I gave Jai, Jai just had his birthday, and his mom and I gave him this amazing uh, air uh, airsoft rifle. Is that what I say it right? No, the pistol. You got an airsoft pistol called the Hater. The Hater. What a great name for an airsoft pistol. The Hater. Now, he had been texting me the Amazon link to this probably 75 times in the three months preceding to his birthday. And I got it. He doesn't know this. I got it for him after the first text, but you never let them know that you got it for him. He's just make him think, I'm not sure if dad actually got that. He's been kind of busy. I don't know if you heard me. So maybe the 75th one, I'll send it to him. But I got it on the first one, Jai. Three. He's saying three. I've got the microphone, buddy. I get to tell the story. So he, uh, uh, is truthfulness one of the fruit? No, okay, good. So um, <laughs> I got him this, we got him this pistol for his birthday. Now imagine if he comes to me and he's like, Dad, look how cool my, my pistol is. My pistol's way cooler than yours. Look how great this thing is. It'd be a little bit weird, right? Do, do you know why I'm not impressed by that? It's because I gave it to him. I'm not impressed with somebody showing off the thing that I gave to them. I'm impressed by what he's able to do with it. Now, if he's coming to me and he's like, hey, Dad, look how many targets I can hit. Look how many um, neighbors I've put their eye out because they didn't wear safety glasses so far. Then I would say, oh, that's amazing. That's the fruit. You see, God's not impressed with the gifts that he gives us. He's impressed with the fruit that we demonstrate. And I thought about this too. Um, Who benefits from the apple? Does the tree benefit? Does an apple tree eat apples? No, we eat apples. Do you understand that the fruit that you bear, it's not actually for you, it's for others. So it's not just about experiencing, I feel loved, I feel joyful, I feel peaceful. Again, that's feeling the weight of my world. But the fruit that we bear is meant to feed others. And as we saw in the first episode of this, we're also meant to increase and multiply. How amazing is it that fruit also bears seed? That when we share the fruit with others... That's how the multiplication actually happens. Sometimes fruit does take time, though, doesn't it? 
I remember we planted some blueberry bushes, and I was frustrated because for two years I couldn't get any blueberries. And trust me, I was ready to dig up that blueberry bush. But on the four, third year, it was like, boom. It just exploded with blueberries. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I finally looked it up and realized, no, it just takes three years for blueberries to, a blueberry bush to actually bear fruit. But in this culture, when you can go buy perfect blueberries from Whole Foods any time of the year, it's hard for us to understand that sometimes fruit bearing takes time. But the way that we bear fruit is there's two life forces that are at work here. It's God's life through my life that bears fruit. So when I allow God's life to work its way through my life, then I begin to bear this fruit. But when we think about this word fruit, have you noticed that it's not but the fruits of the Spirit? It's not plural. It's singular. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You don't have an apple tree that bears apples, oranges, and bananas all at the same time. It's the fruit. It's singular. In other words, it's not like a fruit salad. Anybody ever gotten a fruit salad? And you're like, man, how do I get? I just got grapes. That's all I got was the grapes. Grapes are the worst part of a fruit salad. Grapes and like the not quite ripe honeydew melon. Anybody ever get those in a fruit salad? You're like, man, it's so hard to get this right. But sometimes you get a fruit salad and you think you got all of it, but you're just like, um, I only got this. And you can think, man, you know what? When I got the fruit of the Spirit, I got me some uh, kindness. I got a little bit of goodness, but I definitely did not get any patience. But it's not a fruit salad where you get some and not the other. And it's not one where you get to pick out the stuff you don't want. Look, I can have love. I can have joy. I'll even have a little bit of patience. But self-control? No, I think God's wired me to not have self-control. Or I can't be gentle because you don't understand my job. Gentleness doesn't work in my profession. You got to be type A. You got to be cutthroat. You got to be willing to do whatever it takes to cut everybody down. So gentleness doesn't work where I am. And we go, oh, okay. But yet, if we're led by the Spirit, we will bear the fruit. That means all of these things happening at the same time and increasing. So, do you remember the first week of this when I gave you a little bit of a survey? I let you write down all the fruit. And I said to rank yourself from one to five. Do you remember that? I said, rank yourself from one to five of one being, I really don't have much of this operating in my life right now, and five meaning I've got a great measure of this operating in my life, and somewhere in between there, rate rate yourself. I don't know if you still have it. Maybe I should have told you to bring it back today, but just rate yourself. Not to condemn yourself, but this is a good indication that maybe I'm exhibiting some of the fruit, but not all of it. And then I had you trade papers with your spouse if you're married, or a friend if you're there, and said, hey, would you... Would you rate me? Anybody do that? Anybody trade papers with their significant other, your SO? I did that today because I was preaching, so I did it. So I I handed mine over to Romy. I said, hey, would you you rank me on this? And it came back, and most of them were fives. And I'm like, dang, because I I forgot it was zero to five. I thought it was zero to ten. I was like, oh, man, I got some work to do. But then on the joy and the peace, she ranked me at a three. I was like, oh. Joy was four. Peace was a three. Patience was a three. Is that right? So patience and joy. And trust me, I, I so appreciate that, that she would actually speak that over me. Not as a condemning way, but 
you know, hey, this is, this is an area that you're probably, I see as a three. Now, it doesn't really matter what I see as the fruit of my life. What matters is because the fruit's not for me. She is the beneficiary of the fruit of the Spirit of my life. I haven't done this yet, but what if I gave it to my kids? What if I said, hey, why don't you rate Dad from zero to five on what you feel like I am in this area? How would they rate you? I don't want you to feel condemnation from this because that's not the intention of this. The intention is, and this is what I want you to hear, if you are not a five and increasing in all of these, you can be. Because God's intention for you is that if you are saved by the blood of Jesus, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and then if you are led by the Holy Spirit, that you can be a five and increasing in every single one of these. It's meant to be an encouragement. I'm a three in two of them right now. But I can see that three, and instead of me going, wait till I get to grade hers then. Or instead of seeing that and going, man, she doesn't think I have any peace. She doesn't think I've been impatient. Instead of me doing that, I just go, oh, okay. There are two areas that are stuck. There are two areas here that have gotten blocked. There's two areas here that I can remove the barriers that's keeping me from bearing the five peace and the five patience that I know that God wants for me to have. And I want you to hear fruit, that fruit is not just for you. You do get to benefit of it, but the fruit is actually for those who were called to reach and those who God's called you to lead, those whose God's called you to marry, and those whose God's called you to, to have, I guess, in your kids. But I look at that and go, okay, I've got at least two areas where all I have to do is figure out what's causing the blockage from the stream that what's causing me to not bear fruit, and I can deal with those because God's here to help me deal with them. So I want to share some of those with you tonight. Is that okay? In the remaining time that we have, I want to share three dams. Three dams. The first dam, this is not rocket science, but trust me, if you get that it's God's intention for me to have all of this fruit of the Spirit happening at a level five all the time and increasing, if it's his intention for me to have rivers of living water flowing from me, where it is more than enough refreshing for me and those around me, if I'm not in that place right now, God will help me to get there because he wants me to be there. He's given me everything. The Bible says we have every spiritual blessing that's in Christ Jesus. We can get there, but there's just stuff blocking the stream. First one is sin, sin, sin. Now, I'm not just talking about the sin that God forgave you for when he nailed Jesus to the cross. That's the sin that separates us from God. But I'm speaking as believers right now. We know that sin causes a separation from God. We are born, and all sin means is imperfection. It's not the bad stuff you did yesterday on the way to church. Sin just means we're not perfect, God is. So our sin separates us from God. There's no way that we can be in a relationship with God based upon our good deeds and our works. It's only by the blood of Jesus that his sacrifice paid the price of our sin so that we can be in a relationship with him. We are made perfect by the blood of Jesus. It is a righteousness that's provided for us not one that we earned. That's why the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
not your righteousness. There's a difference between those two things. When I seek his righteousness, it means that I have confessed my sin to him and the blood of Jesus washes away and forgives it and I'm now in a relationship with him. But now that I have been, I have made peace with God. Now that I've been adopted in his family, now that I'm a Christian, how many of you know I still sin sometimes? Do you know what the difference is? I'm no longer a sinner because I'm not labeled by what I do. There's a difference between a sinner who sins and a son who sins. Am I getting too off track here? You see, now that I'm a son, I'm a son who committed a sin, but that doesn't make me a sinner who now needs the cross again for salvation. Do you hear me? You can be a Christian and still sin. Thank you. Does that shock you? I hope it doesn't. I know some people have an issue with that, but you can be a Christian and still sin. But there's a remedy for that because that sin is one of the things that will cause the blockage in your life. That's one of the dams that can be put up is you are a Christian, but you have this unconfessed sin or habitual sin that's been blocking the dam for a little bit. And it's like you're living as a sinner, but you're not a sinner, you're a son. In Romans chapter 1.16, it tells us, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. You see, the same gospel that saved you is the same gospel that has the power to get rid of the sin that you commit even as a Christian. Romans 5.20 says, But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Isn't that amazing? That even as I sin now as a son instead of a sinner, even when I commit sins as a Christian, God's grace increases all the more. Heaven is full of the grace of God. It's full of it. Like it's, it's the air that we breathe in is grace. And we want to bring heaven to earth, this atmosphere of grace. That when we do sin, even as believers, you, you're breathing in grace. That's how prevalent, how, how present, and how available God's grace is for you. That even when you sin, grace increases all the more. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, throwing a lot of scriptures at you here. Thanks, guys. 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, speaking of Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became what he didn't know, so that we could become what we didn't know. Jesus knew no sin, yet he became it. We knew no righteousness, but we can become righteous because he became sin. And we have a choice to make. When I'm faced with my own sin, I don't know if I put this scripture up here for you guys or not. The first John 1. I'm going to read it to you. I don't think I gave the team there. The first John 1 verse. In first John chapter 1. Verses 8 and 9, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, 
and the truth is not in us. Now John's actually speaking to the church. He's speaking to believers. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our, son, our sins and pure us from all unrighteousness. You see, when I'm faced with the sin in my life as a believer, I've got a choice. I can pretend or I can confess. I can pretend or I can confess. I can pretend like I don't have sin or I can just confess it. You see, it's the cross that helped us to gain acceptance by God. But it's our confession of sin as believers that brings the intimacy with Him. I have never felt more intimate with my wife. I'm not talking about the physical. I'm talking about the spiritual and emotional. I have never felt more intimate with my wife than I've confessed that I'm wrong and when I've asked for forgiveness. There is an intimacy that gets built with that level of vulnerability and be willing to say, I was wrong and I'm sorry and I repent of that. Would you forgive me? It establishes an intimacy in the middle of the most heated arguments. That's the way God designs for us to establish intimacy with Him. Is that when the Holy Spirit puts His finger on sin in our life, we confess it quickly and the intimacy comes back again. And then the flow. The flow. So I know you're sitting there right now and it's easy to go, well, darn, what sins have I committed this week? You see, if you're led by the Spirit, you don't actually have to do that. You don't have to consciously think of it yourself. Now, if you know of ones, I'd encourage you to confess it, but sometimes I'll just ask, so Holy Spirit, would you, would you show me any sins that are in my life right now I may not even know of? And I, it's amazing when I do that, He just reveals things. And I don't sit there and go, oh, man. I just go, ah, oh, thanks. I confess that as sin. I repent of that. Holy Spirit, is there anything else? And it's that quick, and it's gone, and the flow comes. That's the first dam. Second dam on our dam tour here tonight, best dam tour you've ever had, is forgiveness. The dam is unforgiveness. The key to breaking the dam is forgiveness. Colossians 3.13, if we have that scripture, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, the Bible says when we confess our sin, He forgives us. Now that we've been forgiven, we can forgive. Forgive. I've heard people say you're never more like God than when you give. You know what? I think you're never more like God than when you forgive and when you love. Forgiveness is directly connected to our flow. You see, I want you to understand this. When you forgive people, it does not make what they did right. My forgiveness of people does not excuse their behavior. Do you know what it does? It cuts the cord. It cuts the cord. There's a cord attached between me and them, possibly because of the offense. When someone has wronged you, there's a spiritual tie that happens between you and that person when it damages you, when it affects you, whether it was physical, emotional, or spiritual, there's a cord that gets connected between you and the offender. 
The problem is when we think they have to cut the cord. They need to ask my forgiveness. They need to repent. But God said, no. I want you to forgive. But God, you don't understand what they did. Anybody ever told God that? God, you don't know how bad this is. Oh, really? I'm the omniscient one. He says, I want you to forgive. I said, but God, what they did is wrong. And he goes, I know. I want you to forgive. But God, it's deserving of this. Yeah, and so were you. But yet I still forgave you. And because you've received my forgiveness, you know how forgiveness to give. So when you choose to forgive, you cut the cord between you and them. You cut the cord between you and the offense. You may never reconcile with that person, but you're no longer attached to them. And that unhealthy attachment through unforgiveness will dam up your stream more than anything you could ever imagine. I remember when it comes to the area of forgiveness, I think, how do you know you've really forgiven somebody? If they walked in this door and sat next to you right now, how would you feel? That's kind of how you know. I remember in the city where we met in Wollongong, I was playing on a professional uh, basketball team there, and I thought I'd end up my whole career. I thought I'd probably retire in that city and, and sign a multi-year contract, which I had never really done before, and we were just going to stay and live there, and, and that was going to be where we'd raise our family or, or close by. And I remember the coach on that team, you know, I took this team from last place to fourth place in the, the next year. And then after that, we got to second place and almost made the, the championships. And because of that massive jump, he said, look, as long as I'm here, you have a job here. We don't even need to sign a contract. You just, we'll work out the numbers but I, I want you to play here as long as you want. That's unusual for people to say that. You learn to take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I was like, oh, I really appreciate that. That next year, they decided to not renew my contract. He called me in his office. He goes, hey, we decided to go in another, another direction. We're not going to offer you a contract. And I'm like, what happened to the, as long as you want to be here, I'll be here. And I remember that was a bit of a shattering moment. And so I had this thing in my heart where I realized that I have get, definitely got a spiritual tie to this person. I was lied to. I was deceived. This affected our future greatly. I still had another team I could go to, but I felt like this is where I wanted to be. And I ended up signing for the rival team uh, the next year, which was kind of fun. Um, but we played my old team in the preseason in, in an exhibition game. And it was the first time I would have seen this guy who's I spent... Every other, every other week, I'd be in his house for dinner, playing with his kids. Like, we were, we were fairly tight. It wasn't just like your boss, right? And I was like, I don't know how this is going to feel. I feel like I've forgiven him, but I kind of don't know. And then I remembered seeing him at this game after I scored 40 and we beat him. <laughs> and I remember seeing him after the game and coming up, and I could see the look on his face like, oh, no. Because he knew what he did. His name is Chaco. That was his nickname. I was like, hey, Chaco, how you doing? And I was like, huh. Like I literally, I don't think I physically did it. But I was like, hey, Chaco, how you doing? I was like, huh, I'm genuinely glad to see him. Like I'm, the thing that just came out of me was, oh, that's, that's my coach. That's my old friend. And there was no bitterness, no resentment. I was like, oh, my gosh, I've actually forgiven him. Like I didn't know until I actually saw him again. 
there's other people that I'm like, no, I've definitely forgiven that person. And then I run to them in town. And I'm like, oh, I've not forgiven that person yet. You're just like, please let me get through this story and not see it. Anybody? It's just me, right? Sometimes I know you've forgiven somebody when you actually see them again. But forgiveness breaks the chain. So now let me deal with the third thing, and we'll close with this. Somebody really helped me with this. His name is Sean, and uh, he helped me understand. I said, look, I've got this issue where I have this person who kind of wronged me, and I keep forgiving them, like genuinely. I'm asking the Holy Spirit, hey, is there any, because I notice if I've got some flow that's not happening or if I'm not bearing fruit in, in all these things, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, is there any sin in my life? No? Okay, good. Is there anybody I need to forgive? And every time I ask that question, the same person would come up, and I'm like, all right, I forgive them. Boom. And I, I genuinely did. But it would keep coming up. And I'm like, God, how many times? I know the 70 times 7, I'm getting pretty close right now. How many times am I going to have to keep forgiving them? I know that I've cut the cord here, but I feel like as soon as I cut the cord, it reattaches again. And I genuinely forgive them, but am I ever going to get to the place where I could run into this person in town and be happy to see them? Am I ever going to get to the place where I can bless them and not just say it, but inside you're like, but I hope I never run into them again. And this person helped me. He said, if you ever run into an issue where you have to keep forgiving the same person over and over again, it's probably because there's a lie that's been attached to them. And I went, okay, help me with this. He said, sure, I'll help you with it. Ask the Holy Spirit. Okay. So I said, Holy Spirit, I forgave this person. I said, is there a lie that I've attached to them? And you ever do that and you're like, you're wanting to receive, but you're kind of like, when you ask the Holy Spirit something. And the Holy Spirit said, you think you still need their approval. Who said that? You ever hear things that come into your head and you're like, I would not have thought that thought. Because in my mind, I'm like, there is, I, don't, I don't think, I know I don't need their approval. He said, no, there's a part of you that thinks you still do. And the Holy Spirit said, where do you think that thought came from? Only you know, Lord. He said, it didn't come from me. He said, that's a lie that you've believed. So I said, Lord, I repent of believing that lie. I sever that lie in the name of Jesus. And any agreement that I've had with that lie, I repent of that right now. And can I tell you in that moment, it was gone. So now when I go back to the Holy Spirit, I say, Holy Spirit, does anybody need to forgive? You know what happened? I did it right after that. I think I've told you this story before. Right after that moment, I said, all right, Holy Spirit, is there anybody I need to forgive? And there was, but it was someone else. And I was like, yeah! I've moved past. I'm pro- I still got to forgive people, but at least I'm not stuck in the same thing all the time. So I want to encourage you, if you've done the first, if you've asked the Holy Spirit, is there any sin in my life that I need to deal with? And then you ask Him, is there anyone I need to forgive? And then you say, are there any lies that I have unknowingly believed? Because when you believe a lie, you don't realize it because you believed it. 
you would never intentionally believe a lie. You believed it because it masqueraded as truth, but it was a lie. And the only revealer of truth is the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is he's the revealer of all truth. So he will show you the truth and the lie. And when he shows you the lie, deal with it. And then ask him, would you speak your truth to me? And that's the most amazing part. And I promise if we start putting these things into practice, we're going to see our flow rate increase. We're going to see the fruit of our lives increasing. I want bigger and better fruit. I, want, I don't want seedless watermelons. They taste good, but there's no multiplication that happens from it. I want fruit that's big, juicy, it's fresh, and there's plenty of seed in it to multiply so that others can bear fruit as well. Anybody else? Are you in? I'm in too. Can I pray for you? Jesus, I thank you that you have designed us to bear fruit, that you have designed us as fountainheads. That's the word. We are your fountainhead, that from us will flow rivers of living water, a fountainhead, a fountainhead church full of lots of fountainheads that have no fear of dry places because of the water that flows within us. And that which we don't have fear of, we can charge into head first, knowing that we have an answer for dry places. Dry hearts, we have an answer for. Dry bones, we have answers for, Lord God. And I pray that the fruit of our lives would continue to increase. That when we do these little heart checks and go, okay, how am I doing in this area? Am I bearing this fruit here? That if it's not that five, Lord, I know you didn't give that scale. That's just me talking about it. But if we're not bearing that kind of fruit in that particular area, we come against every condemnation of the enemy in Jesus' name that would seek to bring shame in those moments because shame is not from you. That's just another lie. But I pray that would encourage us to allow you to put your finger on the places of our heart where dams have has caused us to restrict the flow. Because God, we know you're in the dam removal business. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And I pray for a greater flow, a greater flow, a greater flow, a greater flow in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.